0: Welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Welcome back, everyone, to Teacher Tales. And we're so happy that you're here. And speaking of happy, my guest today, I've known for a very long time, and she is a happy person. That's what I love about her. She always takes lemons and makes lemonade and serves it up to everybody else with some sugar. And um, she's from Puerto Rico, so maybe I should say some azúcar um, that she serves it up with. So, Um, Would you like to introduce yourself and
1: tell us a little bit about you? Absolutely. I am Linda Santiago. I am, I've been a teacher for Hmm. since 93. I started this journey and I started as soon as I graduated college. I was, I found an invite to go to an interview to get a job in New York City and I, I always, it's funny because I wanted to be a teacher and then I decided when I went to my first class in teaching, I was like, yeah, I don't think I like this. <laughs> don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. I just didn't like, I didn't like the, the classmates where I was it was not the same kind of people that I was hanging out in the humanities faculty and I liked it I liked that crowd better I said so I'm gonna go to the humanities faculty and go from there and then I ended up being a teacher which was what I wanted to be to begin with (laughs) (laughs) but don't laugh about this I always said I wanted to be an English teacher I wanted to be an English as a second language teacher because you know in Puerto Rico you have to take Spanish since you're in kindergarten. So, you know, from pollito chicken, gallina hen to till you learn how to speak English. And I those were always my favorite classes. So I wanted, I knew I had to be an English teacher. And don't you know that while I was in college, I went one year to New York in an exchange program and I took this speech class and the teacher said, well, You don't know how to speak English correctly. You cannot be an English teacher. You could never be an English teacher. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah. So I'm always self-conscious about my accent because apparently I have a very strong accent in English. And I'm like, well, that's okay because I'm Hispanic. And you know what it means if I have an accent? I speak two languages. That's
0: right. Those are your superpowers.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's teaching. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's a reminder to everyone listening, the power of the words that we use with each other. And um, if we don't really understand or don't agree, maybe ask questions and seek to understand, but don't pass judgments with your words. Like Mm -hmm. you're an awesome teacher and your students love you, love you. And you've taught in very diverse um, schools, and all of your students love you. And I think that's your superpower is that you see um, and hear and validate your students. And that's, you know, but tell me what you think Your why your students love you so much. What do you think it is that you do as a teacher that um, gets them to just love you with their whole heart?
1: I think that I am very honest and in terms of, I I sell it to them, I sell them what I have, and I don't try to be something that I am not. I tell them exactly who I am. And I also think that I listen very well to them. And, And they like that and they need that. I think our students need people that listen to them. And I'm not saying that they, you know, I'm not saying that I'm taking the place of their parents or anything like that, but they, you know, some, some kids don't have anyone that would actually be their advocate and would sit there and listen to them Mm -hmm. and actually be their, their bouncing board. And I, and I do that and I like to always you know and i maybe i get to invested with my students and you know i always call them my kids and once you're my kid you're always my kid mm-hmm. like i i literally this this morning i talked to a girl that is now studying in virginia she's studying she's in bed school and she sent me the nicest text this morning she goes i miss one of your hugs and i don't even like hugs and i'm like oh. and she called me crying and she says, I just need to talk to you and you know I that's what I offer the kids I I listen I listen and you know I always have to give my two cents because you know like mom that I am I like to you know and I like to listen to them I say well what do you think about this what do you think about that and I guess that's what they like and why you know I I have students that are now teachers themselves, and they said, I I, I always you and I love that I was your student, and I love you as a teacher, and I, I love you as my friend that you are, and you're always being the same person, and I said, yeah, that's, I am, I am who I am, and I'm not perfect, trust me, I am not, but when I give myself, I give it 100%, I give 100% to whatever I do
0: hmm that's obvious, anyone that knows you, and also you give with your whole heart, and you are authentic. Kids respect that. They, they feel they can trust somebody who's authentic. Um, I see teachers go in the classroom that'll say, you know, guys, I'm having a rough day. You know, can we maybe just kind of take it easy today and be easy on each other? And it's not like the kids are gonna take advantage of that. The teachers with the biggest discipline problems I can see are the teachers that are the most strict, the most demanding, and the least understanding. And they'll be the one that'll be like, I don't want to hear it. You just shut up and sit down. And then they wonder why kids are doing things and rebelling or whatever. But
1: Absolutely. um,
0: Yeah. And so I know... Like I said, you've had a lot of students you know, from very diverse backgrounds and such. And we were talking a little earlier about how you advocate for students you know, that maybe don't have um, the power or the pathway to be able to share their diversity or to speak up and be themselves and be authentic. You know, and so you are an advocate, you're a role model of authenticity. So I know you've been uh, involved in a lot of um, like you take students to Spanish competition every year and let them shine. You know, all of your Hispanic students, Uh, you were you're teaching in your district, you know, doing some professional development um, with other teachers about how they can, um, you know, see and hear and acknowledge and validate uh, the LGBTQ plus students. And um, just, just diversity, just seeing it being and helping them to feel authentic about who they are. So can you talk a little bit about that and what you've been doing and what you've learned and what you're trying to show and, and teach others about it?
1: absolutely i i have to tell you that i start i feel that it's been like a journey i've always like you said um in my previous schools i've had mostly african american students and um well, a variety, but mostly that was the school population, and then you know that I have my grandson. My grandson is mixed, and here in I started the journey into what they call to be an equity champion here in in Pinellas County because of him. Precisely, I said I want to be able to service kids that look like my grandson. I need to understand better, and I need to. Uh, you know, so the kids know that I come from a place of love and a place of, because I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't know what you don't know. And I wanted mm-hmm. to educate myself on that. And it started with that idea. And then it took life on its own. I, I, I started taking different courses and I was like, oh my God, this, everybody should be an equity champion. I think everybody Well, once you're mandated, you know, it's not the same, but everybody should at some point Mm -hmm. learn about the importance of respecting everybody's true self and um, giving them their place, giving them their recognizing the value that everybody brings to the table. Mm -hmm. It is so important. And once you do that and... You know, it starts with a simple uh, uh, asking. So what are your pronouns? You know, just as simple as that, because the kid feels like uh, they are seen when mm-hmm. you ask them, I said, what would you prefer? And I don't know if you know, but my, uh, my youngest daughter is, um, she's gay and she has a partner and everything. And I, she always, said that she didn't feel seen and um one time she did a Frida Kahlo kind of um activity and I always love her Spanish teacher for this and she drew herself without a face and she said that that that's how she felt that people saw her Mm -hmm. that she Mm -hmm. was a nobody there was nobody there Mm -hmm. and all those things were the ones that led me in this um pathway to learn more about it um how to use the right pronouns how to be, use inclusive pronouns which is what I'm working on now and you know and you know all that the Real Academia Española and their thing with oh AJ is not a real thing well well Spanish is such a gender language and you know gender gender is a construction it's not a real thing and we need to accept everyone for what they are and who they are and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's that's what has put me into this thing and I have learned so much and I try to be a safe space for the kids I have a sticker outside of my door that says this is a safe space and um you know, it's, it's funny because I have students that are not even my students that come and talk to me and they say, it is so nice that you have that in your, in your classroom. And I have a reef that is multicolored and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really
0: awesome. It is. And, and congratulations. And thank you for being a safe space and just allow me a minute to muse on some connections because that's like what I do is connections with um, first of all your humanities training and background that was meant to be so that you could bring that into your teaching because that's what we need we've lost a lot of it nowadays in teaching is that whole human connection and let's stop a minute and take time to be with the kids and talk to the kids about life instead of about that math score or the test that they have to take the standardized test um they didn't get they didn't measure up to what the state thought they should etc so being a safe space and um so also your background being puerto rican because it's a very diverse background, and I know as a you know as a white person, completely white person, when I started studying Spanish, that was what I was enamored with was studying the different cultures and seeing where like they were a blend. and of course, we are too, we're a melting pot, but having the influence of the indigenous culture and the, you know, the African slave culture and the Spanish culture and just how beautifully, especially in Puerto Rico, they're like, everybody's kind of the same. And, you know, and we're, we all have common things that we share that we love about each other. And I thought that was so beautiful. And I thought, culture I come from here doesn't really look at it that way. We tend to look at instead the differences instead of looking at the commonalities. And so different lenses, and that's what I set out to do with my students was give them, I always said, lentes nuevos, you know, to see the world like, and that, you know, that sort of um, diversity, but also the same. We all share a lot of human characteristics. So, so, and, and projects like your daughter being able to do the Frida Kahlo project, another powerful thing that is life-changing. A teacher can provide an experience to a student that lets them shine. And equity, I love that it's called an equity champion. I saw a quote on Twitter the other day, uh, the, the person said, I love my principal's definition of the difference between equality and equity. Equality is making sure everybody has shoes, Equity is making sure that everybody's shoes fit them the way they need them to. I thought that was beautiful. It's giving me goosebumps right now. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So I see that that's what you do. And I know you've had a lot of, you've influenced a lot of students through taking them through to Spanish competition, whether it was a non native speaker that was able to shine or your, Hispanic students that were able to find a little bit of their identity and shine by going to this. So how do you find time to do that? Because I know a lot of teachers, you do so many things. And um, so how do you find time to do it? Or is it just a thing of you're so passionate that you just muster up the extra energy? Or what do you want to tell us about that?
1: Well, I'm going to I'm going to tell you very honestly, and, I, and I've just come to realize this. I am now 51 years old, and I have a very supportive husband. I've been with my husband since I was 23. 20. Don't ask me to do the math. This is why I teach <laughs> Spanish. Um, so, and I, I believe um, I've been able to do everything that i've done in my life as a teacher because my husband has been my support and he's always been here at home making sure that um that our girls are here fine at home mm-hmm. and not demanding the usual role that women have in society mm-hmm. come home and cook come home and clean come home and so i've had the chance to shine at work and to do everything. I was able to do a master's. I was able to do a leadership degree, but it was because my husband was there to support me. Mm. And he understands if I stay late at uh, school, like yesterday, I didn't come home almost till six o'clock at night because I was doing great and finishing grades, And he understands and he's one of the main reasons. And I am very passionate about what I do. And I always, you know, I always tell my kids, we're going to go to compet- to Conferencia, but we're not going to compete. We're going to win because we don't <laughs> go anywhere, <laughs> you know. And I have to tell you, Conferencia has been a life changing in my life because many of my students, their essays to go to, uh, when they're writing to try to go to, uh, to apply to colleges have been about how Conferencia changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you mentioned before. When you said it, it was like you had been reading a page out of Sarazulco's life and um, how she uh, reciting the poem uh, from Ruben Darío, La Princesa Está Triste Que Tendrá La Princesa. She wrote the most beautiful essay for college talking about how she felt like that princess that did not belong anywhere and you know her Albanian background coming here to the U.S. and everything and that's what we do by taking these kids and having them experience things like this it rounds them up it makes them experience things that maybe she will have never appreciate her culture the way that she did because of that experience mm-hmm. she gets to understand you know and I've had Mexican students that had become so um Americanized and they had my class and I tell you I have one girl that she even started taking AP Lit had to give it up because it wasn't for her but she says I learned so much on the little time that I was there that it made me a Admire being Mexican. It made me admire what my roots are. It made her speak Spanish, but she didn't want to speak Spanish to begin with, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's why I do what I do because I want I want everybody to have that opportunity to to learn about so many things, like everything that I've got to learn through reading through teaching through traveling and all that and just be happy with it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: again the humanities part of it I had a minor in humanities um because that human connection and also um the identity part of it like allowing them to be authentic and if they are not sure who they are we as teachers can kind of lay little you know, breadcrumbs for them to follow to be able to discover who they are and having projects which take more time to grade, going to competitions and doing, um, I know you've done a lot of cultural events at school and you're involved in um, the immersion thing over the summer to get students. All of that is time and energy and money too. Sometimes we put our own money in there and that's what teachers do that people don't realize, they don't think about. And um, the dividend is tremendous because of those kids that like you said, find themselves, find their way, get into college, you know, and then contribute and give back to society in in positive ways. And there's no greater job or responsibility than that. But it's hard right now in the pandemic. Um, What do you think kids need the most right now? Um,
1: I think that we need to be... I don't know if this is correct, empathetic. We need to be able, you know, these kids that are, that have gone through this trauma, because I am convinced that this pandemic has been trauma, Mm -hmm. has been traumatic, especially Mm -hmm. on kids. And right now I'm teaching juniors and this junior class, you know, they were ninth graders when this pandemic hit. And then they were out of school for three months and then they had to either decide or their parents decide if they were going to go back to school or they will be going to do it, um, you know, online or, mm-hmm. or half online or one marking period online, one marking period at home. And honestly, they're lost. Linda, mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. lost. These kids after our we had a class reunion because I I just saw them struggling so hard and they will cry at a drop of a and I said well I need to hear what is going on and I want you to be honest I don't you can tell me that I'm the worst teacher ever and I would understand that at this point but I need to know how can I help you because we are not gonna i I'm not gonna gain anything because. We first had a meeting as teachers and we were saying, oh, these kids are dropping like flies out of the IB program. What is happening? Blah, blah, blah. Are they not prepared? No, they're not prepared. You know why they're not prepared? Because they they're like on survival mode, mm-hmm. honestly. And for a whole year and they even say this for a whole year, they could cheat from home and they just may do pass class and move on. And now they have to be accountable and be And they have to learn again what it is to be a student. And Mm -hmm. we need to learn again what to be a teacher. And we need to relate to them and meet them halfway. Mm -hmm. Because it's not easy. It is not easy, especially the juniors. The seniors have it a little bit better. But I think the juniors are struggling. Mm -hmm. And, And it's so important that we try to help them and meet them halfway. Because if not, they're not going to thrive. They are mm-hmm. not going to thrive. And we're not going to thrive mm-hmm. because our job is to make them thrive. You know, I don't care what people say. That's what we need to do. They need and they need to be happy while they're doing it. We don't need them being um, like a bunch of nerves or anything like that. They, it's, it, it is really hard. And that's what we need to do. We need to be empathetic and we need to meet them halfway one thing that we like, I, and I'm not gonna take uh, credit for this, but we're not doing zeros anymore. I'm not doing zeros anymore. If a kid doesn't do an activity, or if it's you know, they won't get less than a fifty. I mean, it's still a, it's still an F, but you know, a zero is, it's like the end of the road. So I and I felt that by doing that. It, it helps them, you know, it's not fi- final, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and it gives them a chance to say, well, I didn't do too well here, but I can do better.
0: Mm-hmm. I wrote a That's a great point. I, I wrote a blog post about that called place value and teaching Spanish. I learned that the Mayans came up with the concept of zero and they came up with the concept for, for the absence of value. There was no place value among you know, ones, tens, hundreds, or whatever. And I thought about that and I was like, kids that are getting zeros, we're basically telling them they have no value. They have no value. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that's just my perspective on it. That, um, and and one zero can just bring their grade down so terribly that they give up. They just And there's give no up. coming
1: back. Right. There's no coming back from a zero sometimes, you know? Right.
0: And they are human and they are struggling and they have needs. Um, they like to make you think that they're independent and they're cool and they can handle everything and they're not going to, you know, let their vulnerability show. But one-on-one or it shows up in other places. Like I read recently, and I've heard this from all my teacher friends, a lot of discipline issues in the schools right now. And I think it's that kids are acting out because they just don't know what else to do. They're frustrated. They're frustrated and don't feel successful um, and don't feel seen or heard. Uh, So that's just my take on it. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is. It'd be nice not to be in a pandemic, but this has been a real wake-up call too to what is really important. And that's what I was playing play on words of place value like, What do we value in the classroom? What are we placing our value on? And empathy should be one of them um, that we're human and uh, understanding, compassion, uh, kindness, um, you know, not all of the negative emotions that are, you know, aggression and bullying and all of those come up when there's no kindness, you know. So, with the absence of kindness is
1: so important. It is. I think. I think that if everybody should choose to be kind, so many problems will go away, you know? Mm-hmm, hmm yeah, and it is a conscious choice.
0: Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's really hard when that kid is standing in front of you and, you know, arguing with you or, um, you know, we may feel threatened or whatever, but, uh, you know, using, instead of using you statements too, like I've seen my daughter and other teachers where they'll say, you know, this is what I need from you right now. Um, uh, My daughter was having trouble with a student recently that he was expelled from another school, um, sent to her school, put in her classroom because she's very good with kids and discipline and everything. And how she finally got him to start doing things and not being a discipline issue was she gave him every day a choice list so these are the things that I need to see you do I need to see these papers or performances or actions and behaviors on your part and you get to choose when you're going to do them in what order as you feel them just by the end of the day all of these things need to be done he worked diligently all day, was not a discipline problem whatsoever. And because I think he that, had a choice. Because he had a choice. And I think that's human. And I think there are a lot of, I think that's also with teachers feeling a little bit suppressed by you have to do this, you have to do math at 10 o'clock, and you have to do science at 11 o'clock. You have to do these things. And that's not in the heart of a teacher it, you know, we need to have a little bit of freedom. Every human needs to have some freedom of choice. And the, the fact that the choices are being taken away from them is huge. And if it's, yes, money would be nice, more money would be nice, etc. cetera. But um, respecting teachers as professionals and letting them have the choice to make the, choi- the decisions, of what's best in their professional perspective and what their experience is,
1: so yeah, and you know, I also think it's important to recognize that teachers are professionals, mm-hmm. and some people forget that. Even sometimes parents talk to us like, you know, in in Spanish speaking countries, um, like in Colombia. Teachers are called sumerced, like they used to call the king sumerced. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how important teachers are. And here it's like there's no respect, there's no, mm-hmm. and it's not that we want to be put in a pedestal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, we did go to school for this, so we mm-hmm. know a little bit or experience.
0: Well, you know, like I was telling you before we started recording that part of the reason, one of the biggest reasons I started Teacher Tales is to let people who don't know teachers or have, even if they have teachers in their family, they still don't know what it's like to be a teacher and they need to respect what teachers go through, that it is very hard every day, it is very hard when you are having to go for a biopsy, you know, because you have a health challenge. And number one, you can't take time off from school because they can't get a sub. Number two, you know, nobody asks about how how are you or how are you doing with that or follows up on it. They're just focused on the fact that you're gonna be out and it's gonna be a burden to me to find a sub. And the fact that if they do come into your classroom and you're not teaching math, at the designated hour and they don't care the reason why, and they're giving you a hard time about that. So I really would like to get some administrators on here because administrators have been teachers, but like we said, sometimes they forget and they forget what it's like to be human in the classroom for the kids and for us um, as teachers. And that would go a long way for that empathy that you were talking about for the kids and also for the teachers. It is so needed right now. And they, those parents need to open their eyes and other people need to open their eyes as to what's really going on and what we are asking teachers to do. It's, it's superhuman. It's superhuman and it's not realistic. So, yeah, but. Anyways, at the end of the podcast, I always ask um, my guests to kind of fill in, finish my sentence. So it's, okay. it's a little bit to um, kind of get um, a focus on there's no right answer. It's not multiple choice. I'm not going to give you pick A, B, or C or whatever. So whatever you say is going to be perfect. Okay, so you ready for that? I am ready. All right. So the first one, teaching is? A hard job.
1: It is, it's very hard,
0: (laughs) but also rewarding.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah.
0: I want my students to know that?
1: Their happiness is important.
0: So important, it's not about the grades. My greatest advice to a new teacher would
1: be to love themselves and know that they will be making mistakes, but tomorrow is another day.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't think many new teachers get that advice. So very unique, very special like you. So thank you for that. My hope for all children
1: is for them to be successful and happy. It's all we can hope for in life, right? It's what we put
0: one foot in front of the other every day to do. So, well, thank you, my friend.
1: It's been a pleasure. I love this.
0: Yeah. And I hope you share the podcast and also you can nominate other teachers to be a guest on Teacher Tales. So um, everybody stay tuned and they can find out how to do that. Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I'd like to invite you to nominate a teacher to be a guest on the podcast and to share their story. All you have to do is go to www.spiritofteaching.org and fill out the nomination form. Again, that's www.spiritofteaching.org. Also, please share, rate, and give some feedback to help us better serve you in the spirit of teaching. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time on Teacher Tales.